Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice and Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in dining room studios with someone that I've wanted to have on the show for a long time and it is finally happening. Someone that you guys have wanted on the show for a long time as well. Allie McKay. Welcome. <sighs> hello, Allison Rosen. It's exciting. I know. Right? Now, are you an Allison or an Alexandra? Uh, neither. neither. Well, Allison is my middle name. My first name we don't talk about. Because it should never have been my first name, because my father wanted Allison. Mm-hmm. And then when I was born, my mother was like, no, she looks like my sister. She has four sisters. So I, I was named after one of them, but I've never, ever been that name. I've always been an Allie, which is weird. Do you not say what that name is? N- no. Is it a, a dark secret? It's a dark secret. And quite frankly, it's a family, um, it's a family scandal. And it's, <laughs> it's a skeleton dark. in it's your dark. closet. It's dark. No, all my, uh, all my bills and um, stuff are under that name. So people okay. can find me. So now, I mean, if you want to, you can actually right. just research my mother's sisters and find me. Did that not create problems with the other sisters who you didn't get named after? I think it was that I looked most like her. Mm, and my mom, yeah, my mom was the oldest of 10. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hello, Maureen from Ireland. <laughs> yeah, so um, it was her youngest sister. So I think it was probably just the last one to be a baby. Right, the one she remembered. Exactly. The best. She's like, which one was she? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. One of 10. Yeah. What's that? That's uh, that's a busy mom. That's uh, Boston Irish right, right there. Yeah. And Just, how many are you? Um, two. I have an older brother and I was a, a nice surprise mm-hmm. is what my mother says. So I think she was stopping at one. Right. And then. And then along came you. Yay. Old mystery name Allison exactly. McKay exactly which you informed me is actually Mackay but you're, you're not going to go that far with it no and that's just that's how it's supposed to be in Scotland which is where my father's whole family is from and I remember my grandfather visiting out here and seeing Linda Alvarez on the news and she would always say Linda Alvarez <laughs> and he would get so upset that I wasn't proud of my name and mm. why didn't I say Ali McKay on the news. I'm like, because I'm not a pirate. It just sounds insane. Is so, that how he pronounced it? McKay. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to do the I like that. You just have to. It's have you law. been to Scotland? I was supposed to go back this past uh, June. And I didn't because I'm an idiot. And every time I'm planning to go there, something else comes up. And the last time I was even back in the region, I spent the whole time in England. And then my friend was like, I rented a house in Amalfi. And I was like, who rents houses in Amalfi? You can't pass that up. So Mm -mm. I wound up not going to Scotland that year, too. So I feel like when I do finally go to Scotland. So you've never been? No. I'm going to meet a man named Seamus or Finnegan or Angus. And I'm going to be like, this is it. This Mm -hmm. is our life together now. We have we have made this life. Maybe that's why you're resistant to going because you totally. know the second you get there, you and Seamus are shacking up. That's what I'm saying, and I'm afraid of pushing away Seamus. Right, and I don't want to do it. I <laughs> don't want to do ready. it to him. I want to be ready for him. Now, when you shack up with Seamus mm-hmm. in Scotland, yeah. will you still do Kevin and Bean remote like Bean does? I mean, why not? The hours would be perfect, mm-hmm. right? That's so true. the show would start 
hold on, I'm going to do math, and I source me on this, but the show starts at 5 a.m., so that's eight hours. One o'clock in in Scotland is when I'm doing the show. One p.m. Perfect, perfect, right? So, yes, let's talk about first of all for anyone who's not caught up. Co-host on Kevin and Bean. Mm -hmm. Before that, you were a KTLA features reporter for like eleven years, right? Um, No, I did morning news for fourteen years total, and I was on KTLA about seven years. Okay, Mm -hmm. I don't know where I got this figure, but I like it. It sounds yeah, yeah. it's a good number. So, morning news personality, sure. And you've also done acting. Um, uh, yeah, not you have a Phineas and Ferb credit. Oh, I do voices. Um, so I did voices on Phineas and Ferb, and then one for their new show Milo. But um, I was also in one movie called Unaccompanied Minors, which the wonderful Paul Feig from Bridesmaids Ghost, but he's the greatest man ever. He saw me doing the news in Salt Lake City, and he was filming a movie there, and called up and was like, hey, I wrote you a role for this movie. Would you want to be in it? And all I was thinking was my friends back home trying to get their SAG card. Mm-hmm. They're like, you loser on the <laughs> news in Utah. Now you're going to get a SAG card by being in a movie. But Paul had, um, he was very nice to me and he wanted me to do a role on a show that became my favorite show um, called Parks and Recreation. Oh, yeah. And I, I auditioned for it and they soon found out I, I'm not an actress and Paul realized that real quick. Like, Aww. oh, that was a, a good time. Never again. So. so there was a role for you on Parks and Rec. It was, I was just auditioning for okay. it. Okay. And it wound it wasn't, up being. It wasn't written for you. No. Like the movie oh, role that was. would be really sad. If you didn't I show get, up and I'm so bad. They're, they're like, like yeah, we're well. casting for Allie McKay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sorry. You're not convincing. Yeah. I, I didn't nail it. Yeah. It was awful. So uh, how awful? It was like I left and I thought, I have let Paul Feig down. And I just wasted everybody's time in there. And I hope to God that someone whose life goal was to be an actress and would nail this audition wasn't passed up so Mm -hmm. he could have someone he knew audition for. It was was gross. And I knew I was not cut out for it. Just Did you ever want to be an actress? I never did. I never did. Even as a kid growing up in L.A. and all of your friends have agents mm-hmm. and they're all going on their calls. And I'm like, who, who wants to ride bikes? You know, <laughs> it's just it just never really interested me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a singer. If I could be on Broadway, that would have been oh, awesome. Yeah. I thought I was going to be like the next Annie. Yeah. Now, who play? See, I remember... I don't know. I never saw her, but the name that I grew up hearing was Andrea McArdle. Yes. She, she was the original Annie, yeah. Annie on Broadway. Which was like the Annie that you grew up knowing of. Annie was, for me, Annie from the movie. So oh, it was so Eileen, Eileen Quinn. Yeah. And she was a goddess to me. So it was her and Tim Curry was in the mm-hmm. movie. And um, Carol Burnett yes. played Miss Hannigan. Are you kidding? Oh, I wanted to be an orphan so bad. <laughs> did you have a specific one? Pepper, Dusty? Oh, no. I was going to be Annie, but I did have a friend that her name was Maggie, but I'd call her Molly because it's just, <laughs> for me, that's how it needed to be. She right. needed to be Molly. Right. So did you pursue uh, theater? Um, I did. I did shows and stuff through college, and I sang a lot. I was in all different choruses and little acapella groups, like <laughs> such a dork. And I had fun. It was great. Just, uh, you know, again, I'm not going to be a singer. I just enjoyed the singing. 
Which is so fun. when did you get into I guess like what was your first sort of showbiz thing? Was it reporting? Wow. Uh no, it was probably um radio. It was radio way back in the day, 1999. I had graduated from Boston College mm -hmm. and came back to LA and wound up going on a tour of KCBS out here. And one of the guys there was like, you know more about sports than our sports anchor. And I, at the time, I was like, that's not surprising. <laughs> um, so they wound up giving me an internship. I had to then enroll in Santa Monica City College just so it would be legal oh, right. with insurance mm -hmm. and whatnot. So did an internship there, got a producing job, and then wound up in a locker room interviewing the Lakers and John Ireland who was at KCAL at the time, who also did radio, said, would you ever want to do radio, be our sports update lady? I think it was Chick at the time. <laughs> Times have changed. <laughs> so um, I did that. That was my first foray into it. Was, was it fun? It was really fun. And going from what I was doing right after I graduated, which was elementary school teaching, mm. it's, a, it's a big bump up in pay <laughs> because it was at that time, it was like an AFTRA minimum mm. at that time, which I think was like 75 grand. I'm like, that's about wow. 30 grand more than I made teaching. In 99, wow. Yeah, insane, mm -hmm. right? It was crazy. So, yeah. Had you wanted to be a teacher or was that just a thing you were doing? Honestly, this is going to be the saddest thing you've ever heard. I was so bad at math that I was like, oh, if I get a teaching degree, I only have to take mathematics for children. <laughs> so I took mathematics for children, which was basically how to teach kids basic mm -hmm. arithmetic. And I was so bad at that. They were like, really? Let's, let's not really teach kids math. It's not a good look for anyone involved. <laughs> really bad at math. Like, it's concerning. Mm -hmm. yeah. Was this it, a thing you felt uh, self-conscious about growing up? I did um, because I, I was really good in school mm -hmm. and I learned really easily. There's a block with math. I was in all AP classes and math, just nothing ever clicked. My parents would say, oh, we don't know the new math. Like, what is the new? <laughs> There's no new math. Is there new math? I remember hearing that term and maybe it's some and in my mind it's spelled n-u by the way i don't know okay. how it's, i don't think that's oh, right but that kind of makes I, it cooler and, now yeah it's how yeah. i envision it um and i feel like maybe it has to do with some different method but it, the answer is the same yeah absolutely yeah. yeah i i just never never grasped it um did a teacher or anything make you feel bad like was there so something that happened that gave you a block or just you feel like it's just innate I truly feel like it was innate because every teacher I had, they tried. And I had a tutor. I had everything. And there were times that people were like, I, I don't understand how you're not getting this because mm. you just got this. Now we're going to apply it to this. And it was like starting all over again. It was insane. It's still insane. You saw me just trying to add eight but hours you did from it. five. I mean, you did it solidly. I did. I did. Thank you. I was using my, I was tapping my foot too, like a horse. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is a trick. You do yeah. this on every show you're on, I right? I know. <laughs> um, but you got into Boston College. So I obviously did. like you were able to still do well scholastically. Oh yeah. No, I, my, um, it's funny because my testing was, my verbal was almost close to a perfect score. Oh wow. And then my college advisor said, something went wrong with your math score though. And we need to and before I could even say it, I'm like, nothing went wrong. A 
a number wasn't skipped. The Scantron didn't go through incorrectly. That's my score. I guarantee it. But because I had all AP classes, I went to a private high school in Woodland Hills and I had a ton of extracurricular and volunteering and Christian service hours. Mm. Um, Boston College was was very nice to me. What kind of Christian service? We had to fulfill, and I think that they still do this at Catholic um, schools and Christian schools, where you have to basically volunteer at different places. So I volunteered at a retirement center, and I would do maybe four hours a week, and everything from calling out the bingo numbers, which... I don't know if you've ever been to a retirement home. It is dead serious during <laughs> bingo. They bring out like their own little um, markers. They've got little uh, like bunnies that they put here. <laughs> They've got like, it is serious. They will yell at each other mm. like, God damn it, Celeste. <laughs> it's amazing. So everything from that to like painting nails. It was just, it was just a way to interact and engage and keep their mind sharp. And it was Honestly, it's one of the best experiences, mm-hmm. and I hope that anyone in high school, whether you're getting you know credit for it or not, volunteers in some way. Did you have a religious upbringing? Um, well, my mother is uh, Maureen O'Neill and very Catholic. My father, Daniel McKay, very Mackay. Catholic. Mackay, Mackay thank you. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> <I remember. laughs> my God, I'm sorry, Grandpa. Um, we were uh, we were very religious growing up until um, probably about I would say after my first communion, um, where I stuck the body of Christ under the pew because I didn't like the taste of it. <laughs> that was a problem. But after my first communion, I noticed that my dad wasn't going to church. Mm. I was like, "This is weird," and I don't even know how long went by. But we were leaving on a Sunday. And I said, Dad, why don't you have to go? And he goes, oh, I don't want to. And I said, well, neither do I. And he goes, sit your ass down. And I looked at my mom and this look of like, God damn it. (laughs) So that was it for me. I didn't have to go anymore. Mm -hmm. So why would you as a kid? How how old were you? How old is communion? Um, Second grade. So I wasn't old. I wasn't old enough to really kind of make that decision on my own. But I felt like I was. And I think my dad was bored, <laughs> wanted someone else at home yeah. with him. But um, yeah, my dad was never really into it. And then I soon realized that my mom was into it, you know, when her mother would come to visit. So mm-hmm. then we turned into the Christmas and Easter mm-hmm. Catholics that the priest would see us and be like, oh, yeah, two times a year. How's that going <laughs> for you? But I went to Catholic high school and then I went to a Jesuit college. So I feel like I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I've got it covered. But do you feel like, because I know... Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say, well, a large portion of people that I've interviewed on the show who had a Catholic upbringing, it seems like they have a fair amount of Catholic guilt. Oh, 100%. Not only Catholic guilt, but I was convinced I was Jewish until <laughs> third grade. Convinced. How? Why? My parents moved out to LA with their best friends, the Matloffs, who wound up living in Hancock Park. My parents moved out like Westlake Village area. Mm-hmm. I spent every holiday with them. We're talking Rosh Hashanah and I'm like, wait, what are the other ones? Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, everything. I was like atoning for sins I didn't (laughs) know I had. And I was convinced I was Jewish. So in kindergarten, the teacher would give you construction paper and say, you know, just draw a menorah or a Christmas tree. I'm like, I need two sheets of paper. (laughs) And I'd bring it home. My mom's like, honey, you're you're not Jewish. I'm like, BS, I'm not, right? (laughs) So I feel like there's a part of me that has 
Jewish guilt just brought on from somewhere. <laughs> Maybe I'm guilty, feeling guilty that I'm not Jewish. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it. <gasps> I'm Jewish adjacent, though, <laughs> I feel like. I think everyone in LA is. Oh, you have to be, yeah. yeah. And Catholic guilt is, it's real. Mm-hmm. Anyone that says it's not, yeah. And mostly around sex or sexuality? Sexuality, um, I would say that's probably number one, which is so interesting to me. Because I I was dating this British guy and their weirdness about anything naked and sexual. I'm like, my God, this is, are we ever going to do it? Like, This is weird. Did you ever? Yeah. Was this high school? No. This was just a dude. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's odd. There's some weird repressed and Mm -hmm. you feel like you're sinning somehow which is so funny because it's just anal, Allison. It's just <laughs> God's blind spot. <laughs> exactly. It's a loophole. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally a loophole. <laughs> so you were doing sports coverage, mm-hmm. uh, and that was here, out in L.A. Right, Extra Sports 1150. Then what? And then I um, thought, well, this was really easy, getting this job. I should do TV obviously. Mm-hmm. So Had I you considered it before. Or was this the first time? I hadn't. But when I took the tour of KCBS, I was like, well, this kind of looks fun. So I paid somebody here in LA to shoot a little resume tape where I just went and did stand-ups all over and started sending it out. And I sent it to, you know, markets 200, markets did you, 189. What did you major in? Um, elementary ed. Okay. Yeah. So, but the fact that you knew what a, so for people who don't know a stand-up, you explain what a stand-up it's is. It's just basically you standing outside of a location. Like, usually you see the reporter in pitch dark, like, behind me, a family of eight was murdered 12 right. hours ago, but I'm in front of their house now. That type of yeah. thing. So it was me in front of Staples Center saying... So, but, like, you knew what that was. I did. I just... I, I knew innately, like, how to do it. It mm-hmm. just... It you, just, you understood the structure yeah. of news reporting. And how to put stories together. I just right. kind of got that. So I sent my tape out everywhere. I think I sent probably... Uh, 50 tapes out. And these were VCR tapes. They were. And you would go to the post office. And I remember I was living in Warner Center at the time. And I would bring tapes. And they, where to this time? <laughs> All right. And I remember bringing one in um, for a feature reporter. Or no, it was a weekend sports anchor in Salt Lake City. And I laughed because I'm like, oh, yeah, market. I think it was market 36 <laughs> at the time. And if people don't know, market size is... Like New York is number one, LA number two. It's it's how big the market is. Mm. You're supposed to start in market 200, work your way up. So to have the audacity to send your tape, and they called wow. and they said, "Listen, um, we're not putting you on the air as a sports anchor. You've never been on TV, but have you ever thought about feature reporting?" And I was like, "Have I? <laughs> no, I don't know what a feature <laughs> reporter is." So they flew me out and did like a little audition at a bread baking company and I found out that feature reports are just like in between the death destruction traffic it's the person that does a story that kind of makes you just go oh I should try that place out or Mm. okay that wasn't death no one's gonna die in this live report yeah very lighthearted, very just goofy dumb journalism (laughs) so I got the job in Salt Lake and that was my first TV job. How old were you? Uh, that was 2000. So I was late 20s. That's amazing. Yeah. So let's go back to this tape you made of yourself mm-hmm. doing stand up. Yeah. Like doing fake stories 
around. I mean, what were what were the? By the way, that's how bad my math is. Math is late twenties. Good. Li- I was in my thirties. Okay. Yeah. See, and, and I was I, just in my. I wasn't head checking going, your wow. math. I was because I was like, oh, honey, you can't lie that much. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I feel like at, at my age, I I've just lost track of. If someone in the, in this decade, if someone's this age, I'm just like, there's just so many different yeah. decades for me to figure out where they were. I don't know anymore. Right. Um, yes. This tape that you, you filmed of yourself doing standups, mm-hmm. like what kind of things were you reporting on? I made them all up. So I was in front of Staples Center talking about the big Lakers game the night before. There, I don't even know if there was a Lakers game. Um, I wound up doing a, a packaged piece, which is just essentially you go out and you put a story together. I forget what it was even on, but I had to include one of those in it. So I'm sure I made up some story and then just <laughs> sent it off like I knew what and I was doing. you had no agent or anything. This is oh, just no. Weird. Yeah. Have you always been um, a self-starter? <laughs> I think I always have been. Yeah. I always have been. If I if I want something, I go after it. And if if it doesn't happen, maybe I take a different route mm-hmm. or find something else. So yeah, that, since I was a little girl, that? my dad for sure. My dad is a um, he's a very smart man, always busy. Even if it's something you're like, Dad, you're just going to buy an avocado. It's like a whole ordeal. So he was always like that. Just if you want something, do it. Mm -hmm. And if you can't figure out a way, maybe look at it from a different angle and you can get it. So I think that's where it's from. Have you ever felt – two questions. How do you handle rejection and have you gone through periods in this town where you felt discouraged? Oh, yeah. The whole first year of Kevin and Bean – was very discouraging. We'll get to that. Yeah, let's but it talk was about that. it was probably the lowest. I can say it's the lowest point of my life. Okay, which, if you know me, I mean that's pathetic. That's pretty <laughs> bad. But um, I handle rejection pretty well because I have a very I don't want to say an inflated sense of self, but I have a confidence that oh, all right, you didn't want me. That's fine. You wanted something else. That's not personal. When literally it is the most personal thing mm-hmm. but i tell myself it wasn't yeah, so therefore it's great. true yeah. but in a way it is in a way though it is true that mm-hmm. it they wanted i mean yes they didn't want you but that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you it right. just means they were looking for something right. else it's also slightly delusional and i get I don't it know. but i think the fact that i get that it's slightly delusional makes me feel not so crazy are you this way in your personal life too 100% yeah yeah. I want this, whatever this is. How do you but, maintain it? No, it's it's fine, but it also what it does at the same time is it pushes people away quicker than it should. Why? Because you don't really give people that chance to reject you anymore or fight for them not to reject mm-hmm. you. It's just like, oh, cool. All right, that's where we're at. All right, bye. So it's it's almost a weird non-committal thing when like, it comes you to your personal life. Overly self-protective. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, I can sabotage anything. It's it's a gift. Seamus, get yeah, ready. I feel so bad for Seamus. <laughs> That's why I want him to wait for me. He's got his hands full. He does. So, okay. And I want to get to the to the low first year. But in Salt Lake, mm-hmm. then, then what? From Salt Lake, I How went... How long were you there? Uh, three years. Three-year contract. And then I got a job in Sacramento, and I was on a station called K-Max, and they were starting, Good evening, Sacramento. 
That's real. <laughs> That's a real thing and a real show I was on. So I did that for, I think, about a year and a half because the show, I, shockingly, the show was not a hit. Mm. Yeah. But their morning like show. evening chat show? It was like a, they tried to do mornings. In the the evening. And that's a totally different audience. So um, their morning show is a blast if you've ever seen Good Day Sacramento. So I did a couple things with them. And then I got a phone call from a different affiliate in Salt Lake City. I was at the Fox affiliate at the beginning. And I got a phone call from the CBS affiliate. And they were like, would you ever want to come back and kick Fox's ass with us? And I was like, I mean, could I live in Park City? And they're like, yep. And I said, could I buy an SUV because it snows a lot? They're like, sure could. Mm. And then they made me the offer. And I was like, oh, my God, that's like real money. Because my first job, I took nothing. Mm-hmm. And then after three years, they were like, hey, how about this contract? And I was like, where were you when I had my cameraman picking me up? Because I had a <laughs> flat tire and I couldn't pay for it to my next paycheck so it was very interesting right yeah so then you went back back to park city you had back an to SUV. Park city, had an suv money. yeah i had an infinity suv is park city like Bitch. the nicest it is awesome it's a i call it my magical ski town because it is just it's this tiny little chunk of magic it's small but it's so fun there. It's very it's very relaxed. It's very different from Salt Lake, kind mm-hmm. of a more anything goes kind of city. Um, but then you would drive down the canyon 20, 25 minutes to your live shot. And it just it felt like two kind of different worlds. So I always felt like I was going home. After Sounds work. idyllic. Yeah, it was amazing. It was truly amazing. And you sorry, what was your job that you were doing there? Feature reporting. Feature reporting. Yeah, I've only ever done features. So th- and then what happened? Then from there, oof, gosh, something brought you back out here. Oh, yeah. No, I had done, after that, I shot a pilot for a show um, in New York City, and then that didn't get picked up. What it was, was that? It was, they were trying to do, uh, like, The View, but on TBS. TBS, mm-hmm. they were getting, I think, Sex in the City, all this different female programming, mm-hmm. and they kind of wanted that. So it was me, a comedian named Judy Gold. Oh, yeah. Who, just a hoot. Love her. Um, do you remember Kennedy? That, yes. Yes. Of course, the BJ. Yes. Uh, Kennedy and then a woman named April. So they put the four of us together and then we shot this pilot and then didn't get picked up mm. like every pilot. <laughs> and um, then I wound up doing from Park City freelancing for Good Morning America weekends and then Fox News Channel weekends. What the hell? (laughs) And then I got a phone call from the same man that was at the CBS affiliate in Salt Lake City who had moved on and was doing consulting for KTLA. career benefactor. Oh, yeah. Pretty much. Uh And he said, hey, would you ever move home back to L.A.? And I said, for what? And he said, KTLA Morning News. And I... I'm sorry, the show I grew up watching as a kid, you know, with Carlos Amesqua and Barbara Beck and all them. So I was like, hell yeah, I would. And it was one of those like, all right, well, um, why don't you just come out, meet everybody? And then within two weeks, contract was signed and I was moving. Nothing happens that fast mm-hmm. ever, ever. So and all of yeah. this still without an agent, all of this without an agent. I didn't get an agent until I was at KTLA. Wow. Yeah. Crazy, right? It's just word of mouth at that point. Yeah. 
How was your experience with Fox News? And were you were they flying you to New York? To they do were. It? They were sending a driver up to mm-hmm. me in Park City, flying me wherever the story was, then flying me back to New York to front the story, then paying me, you know, a per diem right. and all that. And then they started adding it up, and they were like, "Hey, we're going to need you to move to New York City," which would be fine if it wasn't a paycheck to paycheck situation right, at that like point. An actual contract. Yeah. So um, it it was interesting. I don't think back then it was as... When was this? Because I did some stuff for Fox News as well. I could look it up, but it was probably 2006, 2007-ish. Yeah. Yeah. It was was interesting. I got to do a uh, Disney cruise. That was a fun time. Don't do that ever without children. Because there's a lot of kids on the Disney cruise. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. It's insane. Was this for Fox and Friends? Uh, yeah, it was Fox mm-hmm. and Friends weekend. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So then you move to LA, mm-hmm. KTLA, you get an agent. Right. Go legit. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, and so now you're back in your hometown. Mm-hmm. KTLA features reporter. Right. And you do that for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, did you love it? I did. It, it just, it was the same thing every mm-hmm. day. Which, it sounds weird to say that because it wasn't the same thing every day. It was a different place every day, but it was the same. It's not formulaic. It did. It really did. Plus, I was up at 2.30 in the morning. Did you choose your stories or did they suggest stuff? How did that work? For the first few years, it was me choosing the story, making all the phone calls, working till five, six at night, trying to arrange everything. Because when you're arranging for people to be at a location at 5 a.m. that doesn't open sometimes yeah. for six hours, that was bad math. But um, <laughs> it's, it you was... You know those... <laughs> many a business opens at 11 a.m. Yeah, sure, sure. It's, <laughs> it's a new how, thing. It's LA. It's just how it goes out here. Um, it, it was a lot. And then I got a producer named Nancy, and she started arranging stuff, but... It, it tended to be a lot of the same different things, like different festivals that were coming mm-hmm. to town, different things that were happening the same time every year. So I do I do miss that. I miss aspects of really great people that I met, like Underwood Family Farms. Have you mm-hmm. been there? No, but <gasps> I, I see it tagged in Instagram all the time. I will tell you this. I would do live shots there every Halloween and every Easter, and they would get... About a hundred children. We're talking from toddlers on up to like 10-year-olds dressed up in costumes for pumpkin carving, for meeting the Easter Bunny. It is the coolest place ever. I need to go. Yeah. I think you'd love it. Um, okay. So it was feeling formulaic mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. And then what happened? Um, I wasn't going back to the station as much after my live shots because we had a meeting at right after the show ended at 10. So a 10, 15 meeting. And I would say 75 to 80% of the time I was still on a freeway trying mm-hmm. to get back. Cause I could be live in Westlake village. I could be live in Laguna. I could be live, you know, Catalina Island. It just depended on where my live shot was that day. So they had said, we want you back at the station. And I said, but, if I'm not going to make it there for the meeting, would I just go in and say hi and then leave? It just didn't make sense. And then it became um, a bit of a power struggle of, no, we really need you back in here. Oh, okay. I'll come back into the station. And we need you riding with the photog in the morning. Like, okay, but he leaves at 3 a.m. 
why would I leave at 3 a.m. when I don't have to be there till 5? And then after the live shots, he gets called to breaking news. So I don't do breaking news. I would just sit in a live truck for five hours, possibly, after my shift Until the store is open. So this seemed... Exactly. So this seemed a bit yeah, like it seemed almost punitive. Yeah, it or sure a test did. Or something. Yeah. So I, I was like, no, I'm not going to do it because I was like, I see what you're doing. Is did you feel like? What do you feel like they were doing? Just sort of. Uh, it was a power, power play. Okay. Yeah. And they thought I'd be like, oh, I guess I will. But then I was like, but no why? other reporter does it. Why did they? Why were did they feel the need to um, assert their power over you? Oh, you don't know much about news managers. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, yeah. I um, I don't think I played the news game very well. It was never, it was never something I needed and mm. wanted. I didn't need to be on the news. There are a lot of people that do the news that that's who they are, that's their identity, and God bless them, they love it. And I never was that person. And I think that that might have rubbed some people the wrong way mm-hmm. that I was kind of like, eh, that's cool. No, I, I like making my photog laugh. That means I had a fun live shot if I made the camera go up and down on a shoulder. So I just, I kind of said, no, I don't think that's right. You don't make any other reporters do it. And then I said, I'll take some time off until you guys figure out what you're going to do. Mm. And then it became a union situation and it became a union in the middle of renegotiating their contract with KTLA situation. And I was like, oh, this is bad. This is just ugh. And they said, okay, well, we don't need you back if you're not going to do it. And I literally was like, all right, that was it. It was that simple. I was like, if you're going to be petty, mm-hmm. can I say the yeah, F word? of course. If you're going to be petty as fuck, why would I fight to work extra hours that I won't be paid for that I'm sitting in a truck so you can say, ha ha, we got her. Right. We got her to do it. So that was it. And I just said, all right, that's it. Were you bummed? Um, I was bummed because I didn't get to say goodbye on the air. And I was bummed that. I couldn't really say anything about it. Probably shouldn't even say anything now. But I was just told um, in my contract that I signed that I couldn't disparage the station, which I never would. It's KTLA. It's a kick-ass morning show. I worked with some of the greatest people ever. It's still the number one morning show. I think they're on 20 hours a day now. Again, source that math. But (laughs) it's great. It's a great show. And I miss so many people that I worked with. And it was a bummer that it ended that way, but eh, what are you going to do? So you brushed that off. Brushed it off. And then what happened? Um, I had filled in a couple times for Ralph Garman Mm -hmm. on Kevin and Bean, and that was fun. And then I flew back east and I auditioned for a sports job. And I knew I didn't really want to get back into the news side of things. And I didn't really want to do sports in a city like Boston mm-hmm. where, I don't know if you know this, they are nuts. They are insane this is what I heard. about their yeah. Boston sports. And I kind, I kind of have a mouth that I'll say something and then go, oh, whoa, sorry. See, that was, that was a joke. And I didn't really mean that you're insane about your fandom and you need a life. Although that's what I just said. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I probably wouldn't be what Boston wanted in a sports (laughs) reporter. Um, So I did that, didn't love it. And then in December, 
got a audition for a show on TLC. And apparently I did okay at the audition. What kind of show? (laughs) Oh, how do you describe the show? It was called Labor Games. And it's a game show um, inside a um, hospital when a woman is in labor. Oh, my God. That's amazing. You show up and you like walk in and it's got the lights and everything and the woman's like what the no why but it was a it was a great premise yeah. that you keep uh going up in money and you're winning everything from a year's worth of diapers to a treehouse built in your backyard to i think the last part of it was like 10 grand for your kids education wow. it was amazing yeah. right so i wound up shooting the pilot you were the host yes wound up shooting the pilot they wound up saying yes to the pilot. This is all happening early is January. It trivia? Like women in labor yes. answering questions? Yes. This it's is insane. Crazy. I'm it's insane. That, I love it though. It's yeah, I yeah. I was like, this is never gonna go to air right. because there's so many things that can go wrong. And that's what <laughs> I started thinking. I started thinking, Oh my God, what if something happens when I'm in that room right. and something happens to a woman or a baby? I oh and I just started having a little bit of a freak out. And then when I got the um, the contract of what would be asked of me, it was essentially to be on call for about three months living in a hotel next to, I think it was a, a hospital in Pomona. And you essentially for three months just sat in your room. You couldn't be far because if she went into labor. Right. They had to ask had her a to, bunch of questions. You had to <laughs> literally make sure your makeup was done. Right. Walk over and do the show. That's intense. Um, so I was going through all this stuff with like, well, what if we did this? And what if we did that? And my agent was like, you don't want to do the show. And they're getting annoyed with you, quite frankly. I'm mm-hmm. like, I get it. I get it. And during that time. Did you do it? I think she wanted me to just commit one Mm -hmm. way or the other. And I was hemming and hawing. I really was. And then during that time, um, my friend Kevin Hench was like, hey, Adam Carolla would like to know if you would fill in a couple times. I'm like, what? All right. So that's where Allison Rosen... This is Rosen, where your yeah. and my stories yes. intersect. Yes, because I, I, then I come to find out I was trying to get Allison Rosen's job mm-hmm. for months. Insane. So I think I filled in two times, three times, and um, that was it. He had already, I think, decided my, on... my. So I was unaffiliated with the show at that point. Uh-huh. My understanding was that Gina always had the job. Yes. And I don't exactly know why they brought in people. I don't know if it was to make it appear that they were auditioning people or if it was right. just that she had some... She couldn't fill in mm-hmm. yet or she couldn't start. I don't know what it was, but that was yeah. my understanding is that it was hers from the get-go. I hadn't met I Gina. Know. I didn't know any of these people. I was literally doing a solid for my friend Kevin mm-hmm. that I thought that I'm like, why am I doing him a favor? He doesn't care <laughs> about it, but um, filled in a few times, did that, and then got a phone call from um, K-Rock. Hey, can we meet you? And it was the head people. I'd never met the head people at K Rock. And had they heard you on the Corolla show? They had heard me when I had filled in for Ralph around Thanksgiving mm-hmm. time. And then I think I filled in another time in December. So I wound up going in and they said, Hey, you know, you, your personality really matches with Kevin and Bean. Would radio ever interest you? And I was like, I'm listening. 
Because at this point, I was like, I don't really want to do this other show. Mm-hmm. I don't want to move somewhere and do news. I had an offer from another local station here. If I wanted to get back into features, it was waiting. And I was like, oh, I just need a break from all of that. And wound up having, I think, two or three different meetings with them. And I wound up taking the job. And it was one of those situations where I had no idea what I was walking into, mm-hmm. what was happening behind the scenes, what I had. That they had personnel change intentions. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then started the show and then come to find out that I had been angling for this job for five months. And <laughs> this, I was like, what? I had a job four weeks ago. Who I was, was saying that? Oh, every listener had their own conspiracy okay. theories. Yeah. I had um, I had been having sex with Ralph Garman for a long time. I believe I had an affair with Bean, mm. possibly Kevin, <laughs> because never would a woman ever get a show right. um, on her own merit. So... Um, yeah, I was a, a backstabber to Lisa, but it made sense because I was trying to do that to Allison Rosen as well. Oh, I mean, oh, I, I didn't was know hearing, that. Oh, I was hearing all of this. Oh, I was like, wait, that one never made what? it to me. <laughs> oh, that's too bad because yeah. I, I apparently have quite You're a, back- a real schemer. Yeah. I really am <laughs> just a schemer for jobs I never knew I was up for. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a, uh, it was an interesting start to a job. I bet. Yeah, it was bad. It was real bad. So where were you? And I know a thing or two about uh, unpleasant reactions from loyal listeners. Yes. So yes. But, and I also have felt the the pleasure of people having your back too. Absolutely. But also like when people turn just the the whole awfulness. I mean, just listeners of daily shows are just mm-hmm. they're so into the show that yeah. the, that personnel changes are a huge deal. I get and that. I completely get it because being on morning news, you're in their house every right. single day. There's a sense of ownership and that they really truly know you. And it's the same with radio, mm-hmm. especially someone like Lisa who had been there right. two decades. And I think that they feel that they are owed an explanation that makes sense to them. And Absolutely. They're often not given one. Yeah. So where were you encountering this, uh, this vitriolic response like were people tweeting you oh or uh, where twitter you email um probably facebook but i haven't been on that for a couple years but yeah mostly twitter and it's because it was just handled so poorly mm-hmm. across the board so i stepped into a job that basically made it seem like this other woman was just being wiped out of her position which essentially she was, but I wasn't taking her job. Right. I wasn't doing traffic. I wasn't. They wanted to bring on another voice to the show, which I don't know why they never thought of Lisa in that way for that. I don't know. That's not my question to ask. It's not my answer to give. But it was it was bad. I got death threats. Oh, my God. Death threats. Like a couple that were this really insane. Yeah, really insane. There's a guy to this day, that still will write under any YouTube video of mine. But the only thing that I do enjoy is he's so bad at it that he has to keep changing his name. But they all have to do with a wolf or a lobo. So it's always some differentiation of those two words. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, honey, you got to be better at disguising who you are. But he's a nut. Um, But yeah, weird 
awful, horrible things, which also it it speaks to I'm a woman coming onto the show. You're not blaming Kevin and Bean. You're not blaming the company. You're going after the woman that took a job. To do with it, yeah. Yeah. So it was it was an eye opening experience to go from a news station where viewers couldn't be nicer mm-hmm. and kinder. The worst thing I ever got was, I don't like that lipstick or, ooh, that dress, yeah, does nothing for you. You know, something like that. I have gotten more comments about my looks from radio listeners. Mm-hmm. And this just in, I've I've been to our meet and greets. Maybe, <laughs> you know. <laughs> start with the guy in the mirror. Start with that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was a very interesting thing. And it didn't let up for, I would say, a year it was people on a mission to mm. let me know that they didn't want change and God forbid it be someone with opinions and something they weren't used to hearing on the show. Did it affect your performance, do you think? 100%. Absolutely. For the first time in my life, someone who's so confident and like we were talking before, overly confident, I held back so much. And the whole reason I was hired was because I could keep up with them and it was fun. It was very gregarious. Mm -hmm. And I was second thinking everything that I was going to say. I would say for the first year. And that is no way to do a Mm -mm. job at all. It was awful. Do you felt like, do you, you, that's not, that's not a sentence. Do you feel (laughs) like you were less good than you could have been because of that oh i was so far from good okay yeah no if if did did they feel that way i think they probably felt like hey maybe be the girl we had fill in maybe be her more Mm. but i don't think they quite could wrap their head around how much crap i was getting and how maybe it could have been done a lot better yeah like did they what kind of support did they offer you um there wasn't a lot from the station. It was, um, oh, yeah, just it, just if somebody's saying something, just let it go. Let it roll off your back. Oh, really? All right, <laughs> cool. Let me just let it go and roll off your back. They weren't, you know, banning people on pages. They weren't deleting mm-hmm. stuff. It was just, oh, let it happen. It'll be fine. If you delete them, then they'll get mad. Oh, well, let's not upset right. anybody that's calling me a cunt. <laughs> let's for sure let them, you know, just get that all out so it was just a real bummer of a first year because I was excited about it I'd listened to these jackasses since they don't love to hear it but since I was you know being driven in carpools mm-hmm. you know so it was it was a bummer but it has definitely changed thank god because I wouldn't have made it through that first contract at all what was did it just sort of abate like it just time? yeah I think Time helped. And then just one day I thought, why am I letting people that have zero impact on me affect how I do me, essentially, Mm -hmm. like how I live my life and who I want to project on the air? Why would you ever let people silence you? Something I had never let people do before. And I think at first I just I kind of tried taking the high road. And, oh, when people say these things about me, I won't come back with, really, that's not how it happened at all. Mm. And I wasn't really after this job for six months. And I wasn't, you know, just scheming behind the scenes, like all jazz hands doing weird, <laughs> wacky things. None of that happened. But I thought, what 
Why? Why mm-hmm. would I even come out and say that? So then I think probably a year in, I was just like, yeah, I'm not that girl. I never was. I allowed you to let me be that girl for a little bit. F you, it is on. So you come after me now, you're going to get me how I should have been at the beginning. But, you know, it was a learning, a learning period Mm -hmm. for sure. I feel like that's, has been my constant, like, struggle and personal sort of work and goal lately is just that thing of not letting people silence me. Yeah. Of not muting myself or diminishing myself because I'm afraid of reactions. Right. It's hard. It is hard. And I kind of remember when it, I remember when I first joined the Corolla show, all of a sudden I was being a call to spinster because I was 36 and unmarried at the time. I had never encountered, I had never heard those kind of archaic sexist things. And suddenly it was just like this, this, the volume of it. Um, And it, there was a good period where it did affect me quite a bit. Absolutely. And then also, you know, I think I sort of probably like you, I was hired because I was brash and outspoken and could keep up and could make jokes. Right. And I remember at a certain point, you know, I kept that up for a while through my audition period and then I joined and then all of a sudden I, there was just one day where Adam said something and I felt like he was picking on me a little bit. When the funny thing is I go back and I, I remember going back and listening being like, oh, he really wasn't. But I just... Mm-hmm felt a little harsh to me. Um, and then I sort of try, I didn't want to elicit that reaction again. And then I right. you know, started trying to like, okay, I know that these things set him off. So I'm going to try to avoid that. And, you know, and then working through that to getting back to sort of who I felt like I was supposed to be on air. Yeah. It's yeah. Tough. It, it forever. Women have been shrinking themselves to fit in situations and it's bad. Mm. It's really bad. And I never thought I would be that person. And I was for a good year. And that will never happen again. Sucker Lobo. Good listening. <laughs> uh, much more to talk about with you, but I want to take a moment to talk about Hubble contacts. Oh, Do you wear contact lenses? I don't. I don't. I don't either because I look, I've been I've been cursed with perfect vision. Have you? Yes, I say that uh-huh. and I've been saying that for a while. However, the more I say it and the older I get, the more it's no longer exactly true. Yeah. Like, I'm at the point now where my husband held up he wanted to show me something on his phone and I'm like, You gotta pull that further away. Yeah. Like I gotta pull things far away. Uh, so I'm heading towards a path where I probably will need Hubble contacts myself. As of right now, I do not. However, I know people that use them. Um Alan Moss, who used to be a regular on the show, used them, loves them, says they're super comfortable. They're really thin, which mm-hmm. is what you want. You don't want to feel like there's a hubcap on your eye. Uh, what if I told you that you can get a fresh pair of lenses for every single day for less? 60 contacts for $33. Do the math. That's barely a dollar a day. This is way more affordable than other brands. Go to HubbleContacts.com and get your first two weeks free. Um, and... Uh, They've been featured in Vogue, GQ, TechCrunch, Mashable. Contacts are expensive because four companies control 97% of the market. Until now, they're disrupting. Go to (laughs) HubbleContacts.com to get your first two weeks of lenses for free. That's 15 pairs of lenses for free. So go to HubbleContacts.com and see the difference. Make sure to select my show, Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, at checkout so they know that I sent you. Hubble, H-U-B-B-L-E, Contacts.com. Plus, if you think about it, your girl is lovely, Hubble. Do you remember that from the way we were? 
I, I don't remember that. Oh, it's only one of the greatest scenes in all movies where Barbara Streisand realizes she's never going to be with him. And she's off in the distance and she just looks at him and says, your girl is lovely, Hubble. Oh, I'm pretty sure it was Hubble. Yeah. Where have you been every time I've done this read? I'm sorry. And you even live in the same neighborhood as I do. I wish I had invited, called you over. Just I'm going to Google this. it because if it isn't Hubble, that's going to make me laugh so hard. Can I just <laughs> yeah. Google your girl? Go for it. Okay. Google. While you Google, I will get us ready to ask audience questions. Although I do have one question before that. Your girl is lovely, Hubble, from the way we were. Oh. Hubble was his last name or was his yes, name like he, Hubble? Bubble. Oh God, I should really rewatch that again. Hubble Gardner. Hubble Gardner. Yeah, was his name. And it's um what's his name? With the blonde hair, the hottest dude ever back in the day? Paul Newman? Is that Paul Newman? Oh no, it's Robert Redford. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, they're similar. Same thing. Yeah. I was like, I think he had um Maybe salad dressing, but that's Paul Newman. Paul Newman's yeah. salad dressing. Robert, Robert Redford's Redford Sundance. Sundance. Yeah. What's wrong with me? They're, look, I'm just saying, your girl is lovely. They're Hubble. all the same. And then they even redid it in Sex and the City, where Carrie did it with Big. She oh. had a, your girl is lovely, mm. Hubble. Oh, my God. Are you a Carrie? Can you hear my vagina right now? It's <laughs> <laughs> insane. Um, am I a Carrie? I am a Carrie and a Miranda, okay. for sure. Yeah. So, what about you? I think I'm probably a Miranda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah. maybe a little. Yeah, maybe I'm a little bit Carrie and a little bit Miranda too. Yeah. But did you ever have a conversation with Lisa May? I didn't. Not after um, everything happened. And I congratulated her when she got the job at KLOS because I thought this is perfect for her. Mm-hmm. She's not going to be stuck just doing traffic. She can actually, you know, do more and have opinions and really add to it. And I thought this is really great for her whether she sees it now or not and I can imagine she was really upset I would be too with the way it was all handled and it was just it was just a gross situation because she didn't work for K-Rock she worked for this traffic company so there were all these like legal situations where they couldn't it was just ugly but it was also handled really poorly and sadly and it's a bummer. It's a bummer for everyone involved, for sure. So how is it on the show now? It's good. It's really fun. Um, Kevin and Bean both have a lot of vacation because when you've been at a show for almost 30 years, it adds up. So there are times when it's just me and Bean doing it or just me and Kevin. So that's kind of when I started feeling a little bit more comfortable and having more of a voice was when those situations would arise because when I had first started, it was trying to figure out when you fit in and when to say something because mm. with Girl, being, yes! Right? <laughs> and with Bean not being in the room, which I think yeah. most people know, he does the show remotely, you can't see the man when mm. he's trying to talk. So it was, they have perfected it, Kevin and Bean. They can read each other's minds. It's amazing. Right. Then you put in someone that's never done the show with them there was, you know, a learning curve and still to this day, we'll talk over each other. We're like the view, but not at all. Really? The view? <laughs> That's what I said. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's really fun now and I have a really good time and I'm I'm so much like Kevin in a lot of ways 
and so much like Bean in a lot of ways that I think it complements both of them and they complement me, which is good. You know, you and want that. How you're accustomed to these hours now, right? I get to sleep in now. I was up at 2.30 in the morning for KTLA doing my own hair, my own makeup and driving all over God's creation to my live shot. Now, um, depending on if there's a guest in the studio that I want to brush my hair for, <laughs> I can get up at four and it's a nine minute commute. Mm-hmm. Nine minutes in Los Angeles. That's amazing. It's insanity. It's amazing. What time do you go to sleep? Never before 10. Really? Yeah. I've always functioned on about four hours of sleep, which is pathetic. Do you catch up? Do you take naps at all? I'm a good napper, a really good napper. Um, but on weekends, I mean, I can wake up usually around 4.30 on weekends with just, oh my God, and that fear of, mm-hmm. I just slept through something. So you've got that adrenaline. Maybe you'll swiffer the house, throw in a load of laundry. I could usually fall back to sleep for a couple hours, but I, I get sleep where I can, but I love, I love a nap. So even when you were in school, would you not get much sleep? I was a night owl from the time I was a baby. My parents said when I was a toddler, they'd put me in bed at 730 and they'd walk by on their way to bed and they'd see the light on and they'd open the door and they said that they would literally say to me, what are you doing? And I'd be straightening my dollhouse or like, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm putting things in my hamper. Like what? I'm three and mm. it's 11 o'clock at night. Go to bed, you little freak. <laughs> so I've always, and always been a night owl. You don't feel tired. Like, Do you feel like you would do better with more sleep? Days when I do get more sleep, I'm so out of it Mm. because I think my brain is like, wait, that felt good, but let us be a little sluggish for a bit (laughs) so you catch up. But coffee is good. I'm really great with coffee, really good with a Diet Dr. Pepper, Mm -hmm. Diet Mountain Dew. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's true that Diet Dr. Pepper has more caffeine than the others, but in college, that's what I used to drink when I would take, when I would pull an all-nighter. So, Interesting. I don't know. It just and also coffee. Good. Yeah. So good. All right. All Let's right. take some questions oh. from listeners. Okay. When we ask this and them in, they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay, first of all, I should tell you guys, I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. There's different reward levels. You can get access to behind-the-scenes content. There's a live video stream with me, uh, bonus episodes, etc. And one of the perks, I've just introduced this perk, is that you can jump the queue, and that's Q-U-E-U-E-U-E-U-E-U-E-U-E. so British. Yeah, I know. I'm like that guy. Yeah. All sorts of hang-ups. I say Q. You can jump in the front of the line to get your question asked. Okay, Amber Lewis would like to know, what is your favorite Halloween costume you wore as a kid? Oh, wow. Um, I was a clown for a lot of years because my mom made the costume and I was going to wear that until it was basically capri pants. <laughs> so I think I wore a clown costume for many years. And I was little orphan Annie as well, which was obviously my favorite. Because Annie, right? Right. Yeah. What about you? I I was a quote-unquote punk rocker sure. one year yeah. when I was like eight, and 
I teased my hair and I wore like a ton of necklaces, like like a tiny Mr. T, like a ton of necklaces <laughs> and bracelets and punker makeup, whatever that was exactly. Uh, and I felt tough that year because yeah. before that I'd been like Peter Pan, which was good, but right. um, Holly Hobby, a yeah. bunny for a number of years. Sure. You know? So I think being a punk rocker was one of my favorites. And then um, I was Cleopatra in I think seventh or eighth grade. That one was pretty fun, and I still have the costume, and that's like that has been my go-to for because I'm not a Halloween person. Uh-huh. My husband is very much a Halloween person. Okay. I'm not. So. I don't, I, I do not enjoy the pageantry. I don't enjoy having to get dressed up, but it'll, there, occasionally I will have to get dressed up and I'll just be Cleopatra. And I'm like, I just hope no one saw me last year because I've been wearing this. I, I hadn't put it together that that's the same like little Cleopatra headdress. I've had that same Cleopatra headdress since I was in seventh or eighth grade. Oh my God. But yeah. <laughs> so that's weird. I like um, it. Paulina would like to know, does she keep in touch with Ralph Garman? I mean, you guys were sleeping together. So. Oh, yeah, I slept with everyone. By the end of this, Allison, <laughs> there will be rumors about us. Right. Um, every now and then on Twitter, but yeah, not um, not we were never really personal mm-hmm. friends. Like go out. We I did go to his. Um, I think it was his fiftieth birthday before I got the job. His wife throws a mean, mean party. That was amazing. Um, but yeah, not really social. I, I don't want to say I don't like being social with people I work with mm-hmm. off the air, but I kind of learned that lesson early on in news that maybe yeah, you'd have your work friends at work and then keep it a little more drama free when you're not there. I, did you know, is, tell me if, if you notice this as well. I noticed from my time, my, my little bit of time in morning news that Morning news people are like so kind of staid and middle of the road in their sensibilities, except around the holiday party that everyone gets drunk and really fucking handsy. Amen. Amen. Those people let loose. No, this is is every news station I've ever worked at for sure. It's weird. No, it's, it's like a weird, almost like repressed. I have to be this person on the air. And then when I'm off the air, I am that same person because that's just who I am. I'm a journalist. Right. Then after some vodka sodas... Yeah. yeah, real pervy. Uh, <laughs> Mike Catherwood would like to know. Oh, nope. Was nope. it as delightful as it looked <laughs> no. to work with Mike Catherwood? Okay, I'm glad it was something like that. Not, <laughs> what's the best text you've ever received from Mike Catherwood? Because we have all blocked Mike. Um, and I do not open Twitter DMs or Instagram DMs from Mike. Have you been on the receiving end of no, any? No, and I oh. had him on my show and everything. I only received a nice text from him, I oh. think. What, does he send dick pics or something? I wish. <laughs> it's... Does he send disgusting, like oh. actual disgusting things? Yes. Like a pimple popping or something. No one sent me anything. I, ha- I, ha- I have a quick barf reflex. Yeah, you would, you would not be okay with the Mike stuff. I will say this about Mike Catherwood. I think he is one of the most talented human beings on the face of the earth. He can do anything. He is so sharp. He is so clever. He's so quick-witted. Mm-hmm. And then he looks like that. I know, and like, he's very charismatic. Like, it's BS. Like, yeah. you, you should... He always talks about how he has a teeny winky. So <laughs> I'm hoping that's true, because otherwise, he's the perfect man. Yeah. And I'm not saying that a penis size makes you not a perfect man, but it does. So <laughs> <laughs> he's wonderful. David Pena says, ask her about her birds. I think this means oh, your neighborhood birds, right? Allison. 
Yeah. It, it all started about three months ago, four months ago, where I was sitting in my living room and I'm like, wow, these birds are something today. This is insane. And then the next day I was like, these, these birds are still going. And then the next morning when I woke up, it was probably quarter of four in the morning and I could hear the birds. I'm like, did they go all night? I have now started doing Instagrams about it. And these birds, like people are like, no, that's fake bird sounds. You are <laughs> pumping it in. It sounds like you're in the middle of an aviary and they're just about to be fed. <laughs> it is insanity. I've tried everything from an owl decoy. I've put uh, like these ribbons up in the tree that are supposed to make the birds go away. I've tried everything. If you go to my Instagram, at Allie McKay, A-L-L-I-E-M-A-C-K-A-Y, I've put all my bird stories into one story because you will not believe the sound of these things. They are dicks. Have you seen them? They are sky terrorists is what they are. <laughs> um, I have seen them. Like what kind of birds are these? Just regular... Bullshit birds. Just, <laughs> loud, just loud birds. <laughs> birds. I hate them so much. And it's so weird because it, if you really think about it, it's a very gentle, soothing sound. Well, but not the way you describe it. But literally for 12 hours straight. Yeah. And then it sounds like they're calling to their friends somewhere far. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's a lot. It is a lot. So thank you for bringing that up. Bruised by Dom would like to know, do you have an annual or otherwise ornament buying tradition for your trees? <laughs> um, Allison, I'm a little insane about Christmas. I love Christmas too. I decorate pretty much as soon, soon as Halloween is done. I will give it a week and the first weekend in November, that tree is up. All the decorations Do around you have the house. Do a fake tree or a real tree? I have three fake trees. <laughs> Thank you for asking. But I also have amazing candles that smell like an evergreen forest in my house. So you walk in and people are like, how do you keep the tree up this long? I'm like, <laughs> gotcha. But it is a, it's a sickness. And I have friends come over that are like, this is like... Christmas threw up. Where is your ice skating rink in here? It's insane. It's a Hallmark movie in my house and it just brings me I joy. I love that. It brings me so much now, joy. Now, when do you take the trees down? Debatable. Um, I usually leave them up until after the new year. So I want them up for Thanksgiving. You have people over, you're eating turkey. Why not look at a tree? It's nice. Yeah. It makes yeah, you feel exactly. good. But I definitely leave it up usually second week in January. It's normal. We left our oh so we had a we got a fake tree and we left ours up to like April. Oh my! Yeah, I know people <laughs> did not they didn't take kindly to that. Yeah, and I was a little bit. I'm like, but it's so nice. Why not just enjoy it for longer? Right. But I get that like you got to preserve the specialness and stuff. Yeah. Um. Okay. Here's one. I get this kind of question a lot, and I find it difficult, somewhere between difficult and impossible to answer. I will present it to you. Oh. F and Ernie says, who has been your favorite and worst guest on Kevin and Bean? Oh, wow. Oh, that is hard. I would say my favorites tend to be the people that come on quite a bit. So the comics. So Jim Jeffries, Bill Burr, um, Jimmy Pardo, Greg Fitzsimmons, your buddies. They just, they bring it every time they're on I can't breathe. I'm laughing so hard at them and they just get it. They know they know how to do radio and it just makes your job easy and you know that people listening are enjoying it. So I love that. Um, I love Sarah Tiana. She is so funny. 
Whitney Cummings, very funny. Um, we had Captain Picard on. What is his name? Captain Picard from yeah. Star Trek. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Patrick Stewart. Yes. Patrick Stewart came on, and I was like, holy crap, I'm hot for an 80-year-old right now. <laughs> so charming, so nice, so wonderful. Um, there's a um, New York Times bestselling author that comes on, Brad Meltzer. Oh, yeah, I've you, heard of him. He's brilliant. He writes the most amazing political thrillers. He just has a mind unlike anyone else. He also writes these children's books, Everyone from Jim Henson, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, from a point of view that a child will like learning about mm-hmm. this person because he starts at their childhood. And he's just, he's worked with everyone from the Clintons to the Bushes. He just, he gets it. And he, I just, I could talk to him for hours. He's amazing. Bad guess? Eh. Have there been some? Sure. Am I going <laughs> to name them? No. What makes a bad guest? People that take themselves too seriously and people that, I mean, it's such a loose show. Mm -hmm. And if you're coming on radio, maybe the one and two word answers aren't great. (laughs) Maybe someone should teach you how to do an interview. So, you know, when someone doesn't want to be there and they're either they're promoting promoting a movie or, or an album and they just aren't into it but Kevin and Bean have been on K-Rock like I said almost 30 years they have these relationships with you know the killers muse red hot chili peppers bands that have been around so long that these are their friends now coming in so you rarely get a bad interview mm-hmm. rarely which is nice it is nice yeah let's now do just me or everyone and there's a song sometimes I ponder on Something I have thought or done Is it just me or everyone? Okay, this is where people write in with things they think or do and they wonder, is it just me or mm-hmm. is it everyone? And then we weigh in. And if okay. you have any, feel free to contribute. If not, no big. Uh, a Kimmy thing says, hate when I click on a link in Instagram and then go back to Instagram and have to start at the top of my feed again. Shouldn't Instagram know to pick up where I left off? It's a very specific gripe with an app. But yes, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. It's I will be doing a thing where I'm like looking for something in my own feed from a couple of years ago. Yeah. And then somehow I'll hit the wrong thing and I'm back at the top. And yeah. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not going through that again. I, I don't have that kind of time. For, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get that. Nina Hartley says, when I take my dog out to potty, I am always looking at her butthole to see if she is getting ready to poop. I have a dog and I don't. That's not how I tell if she's ready to poop, but maybe I should. I should be. I feel like once that tail goes up, yeah. and they get real rigid, with, you know. With Wendy, she circles. It's like a, a this, she does this crazy maniacal. Most dogs do a little bit of circling, but uh-huh. she does like a circle in a, in a space for a while. And then she'll be like, no, wrong spot. And then she's, she's very OCD about yeah. it. And then she'll, you know, get into that triangle pose. And right. There it goes. But maybe I should be keeping my eye on the butt. Yeah. You should always watch the butthole. Yeah. Jay Inslee says... Get a bit grossed out when I sit on a warm toilet at the office. Yeah. That's disgusting. But it's like sort of pleasant and then it's gross, you know? It's because you're warm. It's warm and then you're like, who's warm? But who warmed Uh, this? Yeah. 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 If you're going into a public restroom and someone walks out of a stall, do you 
let's say there's not a lot of people in the mm-hmm. restroom. Someone walks out of a particular stall. Do you then try to choose a different one? Oh, so absolutely. The- and they say always pick the stall closest to the door. They do? Because people skip that one. They automatically oh. walk in and go further away. So that stall closest to the door tends to be the cleanest. I never knew yeah. that. I can't yeah. believe I've gone all these years without knowing yeah, that. Yeah, I'm here to help you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, th- I don't go for it. It's sort of like nobody choosing, goes for like the, at first the grocery one. store choosing the item that's right in front. Right. No, no you go you for go- the one in the back. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. I, this is changed. It's life changing. Yes. Dave Cross, no, not that one, says, if I see a couple that resemble each other, even slightly, I dare not assume they're romantic or related for fear they are one and not the other. I feel like you sh- you can go ahead and assume. They're not going to know. I wouldn't say it to them. But. Yeah. So you two are brother and sister and then keep walking? No. You can right. assume it in your yeah, head. Yeah, absolutely. in your head. Yeah. Skipping Raptor says, Few things make me cringe harder than swing boy band members singing with sexy sincerity to the camera. Example, and thank you for giving an example. I Want It That Way by Backstreet Boys. Mm. I don't think I'd ever thought about that, but I know exactly what you mean. And yeah, it is cringy. Yeah. Uh, going along with that, it's my, it, it hurts my soul looking at Instagram stories and people are singing in their the, car, in, in the car, yeah. wherever they are, into the camera, like mouthing the words. Right. It makes People, me. There's so many of those. So they're doing it all the and time. They all do the same moves. Yeah, like they're real earnest about yeah. it, which makes it and worse. Then there's like a breakdown, and then they rock out. I hate it so much. It disturbs me. I hate it. I hate on Ellen when she dances in the audience it makes me it makes me anxious and nervous because then other people want to dance with her and it's like no stop dancing with Ellen everything about it oh I'm starting to get all worked up when I see people singing on Instagram stories what's (gasps) weird to me is all the singing on Instagram stories that they all look exactly the same yeah I've never ever done one but I I was almost tempted to do one just to be like do I innately have these moves as well right would I look exactly like them too because they all probably weird yeah 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 I don't like it yeah there's a head tilt Mm -hmm. and there's like looking at the camera and then then right when there's a break it's like yeah that's how I am ew oh stop it people Vanessa E says me at the drive-thru orders seven items and I'll have a cheese quesadilla like it's not all for me. <laughs> I love that. I, I'm not a big drive-thru person. Mm-hmm. However, I know of people who, if they're going through drive-thru and getting a lot, will order like a, a few drinks. So it looks like it's for right. people or ask for extra silverware. Cause yes. obviously it's not for you. Right. Although I do like if you're staying at a hotel and you order a ton of room service yes. and they're and like, just how many people? And I'm like <laughs> one, I mean, stop being so judgy one. Then you open the door and you're like, Hey, bring me my food. And yeah. they, they feel better about it that you're okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But also because oftentimes there's an extra charge for every, Oh, for of, more plates? Yeah. So, well, I think it's for more silver. I don't know. I just feel like this just shows, this makes me look super cheap. I just feel, I feel like sometimes there have been like maybe an item for another person. And I've just said just one person. Interesting. Yeah. Cause there's that extra charge sometimes, not always. Huh. Izzy Fisher Condrick says, just me or everyone, when guys manspread on public transit, Excuse me. When guys manspread on public transit, I assume they have a testicle infection of some sort. 
No, I've never made that assumption. Mm-mm, I haven't. Now I will. Now I will too. Yeah. Sid's Vicious says, whenever possible, I request to load my own to-go box to make sure I get everything from my plate. I've never done that, but I like that idea. Yeah, just bring me the box and I'll do it. Right. Oh, that's smart. In fact, sometimes when they just bring the box, I'm I'm like, oh, you can't just go in the back and do this for me. So I actually prefer them to do it. Okay. But maybe I maybe I should uh, look a, not look a gift horse in the mouth. Right. Or maybe you're just trusting that they're putting all of it in there, which is a, it's a good trait. I don't think someone's snacking on your food like, oh, right. she'll not- never notice this. Right. Or like, oh, oops, we tossed hers, but here's, I can pull this one out of the trash. Right. Oh. I probably am very, I'm very trusting of servers in restaurants, even though I've had friends who worked in restaurants who said like, you really shouldn't be. No. Have, did you ever work in a restaurant? I didn't. I, um, I worked at a hot dog cart. Frank's for the memories, but it wasn't, it wasn't a restaurant, but yeah, I, I've heard horror stories and I, I don't trust anyone anyway, cause mm-hmm. I watch a lot of Dateline and you should never trust people because they are going to try and murder you on a cruise. Yeah. I yeah. think I'm too trusting. If you were on a cruise, would mm-hmm. you be afraid of being murdered? 100%. Any guy that asks you on a cruise or to go on a hike, mm-hmm. they're going to murder you. Uh, during one of the live Adam Carolla shows, we were talking to someone in the audience who was a forensics person. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of forensics specifically, but forensics. Sure. And she said that like the ideal place to murder someone is the ocean because there's no prints. Right. Yeah. Hence the cruise See? thing. Yeah. Ooh. And lastly, David Cross. No, not that one. The same one as before. Still not. Are the- you sure? Well, he Maybe said. Maybe he's no, not that one is the one before. Not the David Cross oh, right. we were thinking yeah, of. Maybe. This could be a different one. <laughs> it takes a swarm of thousands of ants to creep me out. Otherwise, go nuts, little fellas. No, 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 no. Really? Just one, one or ant. two? Oh, my God. Really? One or two is like, it's over for me. I freak out because if I see one or two, I'm like, oh, shit. All their friends are going to be here yeah. very soon. And then I freak out. In fact, I'm sort of embarrassed about how much I've lost my cool over one or two ants. I just feel like I'm being invaded. Yeah. I really, my husband thinks I'm crazy because I, the second I see one or two ants, if it were up to me, we would like not, not ever have food in our kitchen again. Right. Or you'd move. Yeah. Immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you have to think one or two ants, like how did they break away from their friends? Well, they're the scouts. They're definitely, yeah. They're definitely going to let them know. Right. This is the place. Yeah. Interesting. And then whenever I see a line of ants, which I have in my kitchen before. It's been a while, thankfully. But when you see a line of ants, then you think, oh, wow. Like, they have been casing your joint. Oh, like, yeah. Th- you're walking in on, this is hour 26, right. hour 16. I don't know how many hours specifically. But what yeah. that means is someone who was an ant was yeah. here before and then went Sent back. that group text. Yeah, and then they, yeah. exactly. They've Ugh. been working on this. Uh, so I'm not cool with even one or two ants. All right, I I get it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My ants are your birds. Oh, man. I'm telling you. You have to listen to those stories. I will. It's insane. <sighs> Allie. 
It was so much fun having you on the show. It was fun being here. You're a great guest. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, You guys, I have a book out, Tropical Attire and Courage and Other Phrases That Scare Me. Go to alisonrosen.com. There's an array of places to click that'll take you right to Amazon where you can get it available in all formats. Follow me on Twitter at alisonrosen. Follow me on Instagram, Allison Rosen, t-shirts, ringtones, all that other fun stuff on my website. Uh, Allie, let them know. Plug all your stuff. Oh, well, if you'd like to see unaccompanied minors, just kidding. (laughs) They do actually show it during the holidays because it's a Christmas movie that I was in. I played a newscaster. Mm. I know. It was shocking. Stretch. It's shocking. It's an adorable movie. I just watched it. I need to see it. Last year. It came out a decade ago. I'm very busy, Allison. Um... (laughs) You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Allie McKay, A-L-L-I-E-M-A-C-K-A-Y. And I don't think I've posted on Facebook for a few years, but feel free to post there. I went if you to feel your Facebook page and I watched your newsreel from some years ago and it was very entertaining. Oh, thank you very much. I, I was big with llamas. I love yeah, that. Llamas yeah. are great. They were, you were milking a, some kind of animal. I was, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a goat. It didn't go well. Yeah. And then there was a hand job joke. That's that's what we did on KTLA you Morning covered News. A testicle festival, sure did. You thought yeah, scallops might be balls. I thought they were balls. That poor man was not sure what to make of me. You that poor ate chef. rattlesnake and rabbit sausage. I did, and then you went in for another bite. How was it? It was really good, mm. really good. But then, of course, I had thought that they were testicles from bulls, and the guy who I was interviewing had, I think one of the funniest lines ever as I went in for another bite. And he said, "Eh, tastes familiar. And I was like, holy (laughs) crap, you just ruined me. And that's the greatest. As opposed to Mark Kriske on that goat milking, he thought his microphone was off because I I was so bad at milking. I was trying to warm up my hands. The goat was trying to kick me. Uh Nothing was working. So I apologized to goat farmers all across America (laughs) Mark, the weatherman, didn't know his mic was on, and you just hear this voice go, yeah, and every ex-boyfriend. Ah! And I was like, oh my God, that happened. And then they cut to him in the studio. He realizes his mic was on. His face is almost purple. He's blushing so much. It was hysterical. So if you want to watch, you know, real journalism, you can watch that reel. It's also on my Twitter I link it to my About Me page. Oh, nice. What? Yeah. Nice. You have one of those. Impressive. It was free and it was so easy to set up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good times. You know what I think I need to set up? A link tree. You know what that is? Have you seen that on Instagram? Well, you know how Instagram gives you one spot to put a link on your bio? Uh Uh-huh. So some people, it'll say like link tree slash and then their name. And then I've clicked on it and it gives, it's like, takes you to a page where there's like seven links. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, and you, I think you can set up a Linktree account for free. By the way, they should be a sponsor. Given right? this, given this Valentine, I'm sending them. Thank you. Um, but I, I got as far as being like, oh, I think this is free. This looks cool. But then I didn't want to have to set it up because I just I'm so tired of having to write my name and come up with password. <laughs> <laughs> That's the barrier of entry for me. But one of these days, I'm going to do it. One of these days. Yeah. Linktree. So much fun having you. So thank much fun you very being much. Here. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? 